week is uh, Parashat Vayechi. And so there's a big temptation to make a seum on Sefer Breshit and look for overarching themes in Breshit. And there's no lack of those. And I was actually tempted to do that a little bit during the week. Uh, but then uh, decided instead to go back to what is assuredly the centerpiece of this parasha, which is Birchat Yaakov. Yaakov's farewell brachot to his sons, which, um, to be honest, to call them brachot is a little bit of a stretch, uh, because in some cases um, they are more like a mishaberach than a, uh, than a bracha, uh, but we'll take a look at them. And um, I want to identify a couple things going on in these brachot. The brachot are introduced with the following. We're going to read through them. I'm not going to read every word, but we're going to read through them um, sort of in order and ask some questions along the way. All right, so summons his sons. So this is really unlike um, anything that we've heard Yaakov do, which is to give a, a prep before speaking. In other words, an announcement. Gather and it sounds very formal and a lot of pop and circumstance, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen to you be acharitayamim. Now, what does acharitayamim mean? So we could take the position that Rashi, quoting the Midrash, says acharitayamim means really end of history, Mashiach time, whatever you want to call it, and then and then God took it away, so he went to other things. But the simple read of it is that Yaakov intends to say something and he prefaces it and then he says it which means I'm going to tell you what's going to happen with you after I'm gone. Meaning at the end of, of this period, which may refer to when things shift for them in Egypt and they become slaves. It could mean when you leave. It could mean when you go and establish yourselves in Israel. There could be any number of meanings to it. Uh, and by the way, that difference in Parshanut of how we read impacts on how we read what is the most fiercely fought over pasuk in this entire parasha, which I'll touch on when we get to it, which is uh, pasuk yod, uh, fiercely fought over in the 12th, 13th centuries between Jews and Christians, um, and the source of a lot of a lot of various Serbic uh, polemics. So, he then says, So gather and listen to me. And he starts with Reuven. And what he does with Reuven basically is he he um, he describes Reuven as that most forlorn child of great potential who blew it. Reuven b'choriata kochi v'reshit oni, you're great, you're my first strength, etc. And then yeter seit v'yeter az, a lot of strength, a lot of things to bear. And then in the mean meaning meantime, pachas kamayim al totar, you were swifter than water, or swift as water, and therefore you lost your advantage. Simple shot here is that you slept with my wife. All right? There's a lot of ways to, to turn it and have it work into Ruvain and Bilhan not actually having intercourse, but one way or the other, Ruvain violated the sanctity of Yaakov's bed. And that's what he says. And by the way, he doesn't say anything more. He doesn't say therefore, because the result is somewhat self-explanatory. You lost whatever position you might have had in the family of leadership. Okay, who's next? Surprisingly, Shimon and Levi are linked together. And almost assuredly, the act that links them together is what happened in Shechem. 
There is parshanut here that the, what links them together is their behavior towards Yosef, but that's difficult for two reasons. Uh, in any case, what he says, and we'll have, when we finish looking at what he says, I'll explain the, the two approaches. Shimon Mecherotehem is subject to a lot of parshanut. Is it a Hebrew word? Is it an Aramaic word? Is it a Greek word? Um, either way, it means they are very familiar with or they use weapons of violence. And then, they're violent. And basically, I, want to have any, I don't want anything to do with them. And therefore, I'm spreading them out. And, and, and here we start to get a sense that Yaakov is talking about nachala. He's talking about inheritance. And now we understand that very likely means when history is resolved such that you go back home. And you go to Canaan, and you conquer Canaan, so here's where you're going to be. And a lot of these brachot seem to uh, address the issue of location. We'll see that almost right away. But you notice that he went in order. Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi, and they all get smashed. Ruvain is told that he was impetuous, and he lost his, his advantage. And Shimon and Levi, Yaakov basically says, I don't want to do with you. Don't even mention my name with you. Uh, it's very harsh. Now, the reason that there is some parshanut here of the, relating to what they did to, to Yosef is shor, and shor, of course, and the way that Yosef is described by Moshe, and, um, and that that would have to do with, with their activities with Yosef. Also, depending on whether we look back at Paraklam and Dalad and read Yaakov as ultimately really accepting their position, and that they were really right to massacre the people there, in which case he wouldn't come down on them. So it's about Yosef. The problem with making about Yosef is two things. First of all, we don't have an explicit mention of Shimon Levi having any stronger uh, involvement in the acts against Yosef than anybody else. We know that Ruvain was there, because Ruvain speaks up and says, Bonakenunafesh. And we know that Yehuda is there because Yehuda is the one who proposes explicitly the sale instead of leaving him to die. Uh, we know that when Yosef approaches, the line says, Vayimru ish alachiv. One man said to the other, and said to his brother, here's the bala chalamot, let's throw him in the pit and kill him, and you'll see what happens to his chalamot. Um, so ish alachiv, if you want to then borrow from a few prakim earlier, that would be, Shimon and Levi in the in the story of uh, Shechem, but the simple pshat of Vayimru Yishalachiv means everybody said to each other. It's not just one to his brother. It's everybody, everybody was saying to each other. You know, they're muttering to each other and saying, "Here comes the guy." We don't know how many brothers were there. Were there? There were at least four brothers there, probably. Were there six? All of Bnei Leia there, maybe. Were there also the Bnei Shfachot? Unlikely, difficult. In any case, um, the other thing is that we don't know whether Yaakov ever found out about Mithirat Yosef and about any of it. Um, we know at the end of this parasha, when they come back from the funeral, the brothers fall in front of Yosef. They're afraid he's going to take his, his wrath out on them now that the father's dead. And they say, Father told us that you should forgive us, which, of course, <laughs> it's hard to believe. You know, you don't believe the guy who says, we were told that you should forgive us. It's a little bit, uh, you know, you've lost your, your nemonis there. But... Um, but we don't. But we don't have any reason to think that Yaakov actually said that and said to the brothers, "Please forgive. Uh, tell Yosef that he should forgive you for what you did to him." Because how would Yaakov know what they did to him unless somebody blurted it out? So a little unclear. 
So likely it's about, about Shem, but not our main issue. You suddenly see Yehuda getting a lot of press. Now, what you will see throughout this whole series is that every Shevet gets one or two Psukim. Reuven got two. Shimon Levi together got three, so that's one and a half, if you wish. All right. Uh, as you will see, Zulun gets one. Issachar gets two. Don gets two. Then there's a Pasuk that seems to belong to everybody, sort of. God gets one. Asher gets one. Naftali gets one. And Binyamin gets one. Yehuda gets five. And so does Yosef. Let's look at Yehuda. Yehuda atayudu chachecha. Your brothers will acknowledge you or glorify you. Yeah, I'm taking several Rishonim at once. Yadecha ba'orfoivecha. Your hand is on the neck of your enemies, which one way or the other is subjugation in war. Yishtachavu lecha b'nei avicha. And uh, your brothers will bow down to you or do bow down to you. Gur arye Yehuda mitarif b'nei alita. This is the model of Yehuda as the lion. The lion is getting up from his from his uh, catch and from his uh, from tearing up the animal that he's killed. And, in, uh, and if he lies down, who's going to wake him up? Right? Sort of like where does the five hundred pound gorilla sleep? Wherever he wants to. But when does the uh, lion get up? When he wants to get up. Nobody can wake him up. And then that pasuk that I mentioned is uh, we I gave share on this a number of years ago. Which means that the scepter, which we assume means the scepter of leadership, will not leave Yehuda, nor the mechokek mibain raglav. The mechokek seems to be a staff held by a lawgiver uh, from between his legs. Now, this seems to be referring to children. Uh, however, if you look at uh, ancient hier- hieroglyphs, which we don't have any modern ones, so if you like it, look at hieroglyphic images, you see that Paro is often depicted with a stick that he's holding, and he's got his legs spread, and the stick is on the ground between his legs, and that's the mechokek. So this may be an Egyptian image. Ad ki avo Shiloh, and that's the real humdinger of discussions, until, what, Shiloh comes, until he comes to Shiloh, until gifts are brought to him, until the baby is born, Shiloh, velo yikatamim. If you look at some of the uh, the France, French um, uh, Rishonim, you will see them mention explicitly uh, polemics with the Christians about that pasuk. They saw it as uh, foreshadowing or foretelling uh, the coming of Jesus. In any case, So this the description more or less describes as Judah binding up his, his ayer, his donkey, with gefen, and his aton with soreka, which are vines, he based behind the vushovadam anavim suto. So his garments are washed with the blood of grapes and with wine. In other words, this description is of Yehuda having fertile vineyards. Tachlili miyayin, which may mean his eyes are red with wine. Will leven shinai mechalav, leven here meaning lavan, the white of his teeth from milk. All right, so this is a very confusing bracha because the beginning of the bracha, the first line is about the brother's allegiance and obeisance to Yehuda. Number nine is about, the Pasuk Tet is about Yehuda's power in war. The Yod is about Yehuda's position as leader. And then with that perhaps messianic image. And then Yoralf and Yobet seem to be about Yehuda's fertile land. We seem to be going all over the place. Okay, now we get to Zvulun. Zvulun, as we know, is given the job of being a merchant marine. 
Yisachar is presented here as a farmer in Tupsukim. Dan is presented here really as a guerrilla fighter. Dan Nadina Moka Dachat Shifte Israel, Yi Dan Nachash Aleiderech Shifon Ole Orach, Hanoshech Ikvesus Vaiporach Boachor. So this is a, an, you know, a, a guerrilla fighter, a militia who attacks the army, who attacks the horse, and, uh, and defeats them. And of course, famously, that uh, is understood to be about Shimshon. Um, and then there's this pasuk, which may be about Dan, may be about God, may be about both of them, may be about all of them. And it may be just a break in the middle where Yaakov turns and says, we need a Yeshua. Okay. God which depicts God as being just like all the pictures in synagogue art as setting up an army camp uh, now the mem there is difficult I'm going to comment on that in a second but that uh, that his food is fat and he gives the precious things to the king precious foods Sounds like Asher has land which is lush and presents lots of lush things. And Naftali Naftali is the gazelle that runs and gives lots of good news. All right, and all of these things, tons of midrashim about these things, about what they may mean. I'm stopping here before we get to Yosef because I want to comment for a second on God. God gedud yugudan yugud akev. Um, the bigger problem is the first word of the next pasuk, me'asher shmeina lachmo, uh, because what does that mean, me'asher shmeina lachmo? So one of the Rishonim, I think it's the Bechor Shor, suggests that these two pasukim are connected, and the idea is, God gedud yugudan v'yagad akev, and me'asher shmeina lachmo, meaning, as great as asher's food is, God's is even better. So me'asher shmeina lachmo shel gal, shel gad. And nonetheless, for who I share, you take on the Melech. But a, um, a wild thing is, if you looked in the Septuagint here, I know we talked Septuagint, Septuagint last week, if you looked at the Septuagint here, you will see it would be translated as, God yagud yagudanev, who yagud akevam. Meaning, God will set up his tent, and he will set up at their heel. Akevam. And the next pasuk starts, Asher shvein alachmo. Which means that it sounds like that mem at the beginning of Me'asher, they saw as belonging really at the end of the Akekev. So it would be read, Interesting as we find something, something similar in Dead Sea Scrolls. So just a little point for the side, nothing critical for what we're doing. After we get all of these, again, one or two psukim per shevet, Unless you want to say the Shuat Chakiviti Hashem is done, in which case you get three, but they're small, you suddenly get to Yosef. And Yosef, again, like Yehuda, has five sukim. Which means when you look at this, and I, I made it bigger to, to highlight it, but even without that, it's clear. Yehuda and Yosef are the stars of this event. And everybody else is almost like a supporting class. You, Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi are mentioned because we have to throw them out because they're the first three and they're, they're not there. They're not the leaders. And then everybody in the middle seems to be some sort of supporting cast for Yehuda or Yosef for both. And Yehuda, we've already seen all of the components, which are allegiance of the, of the brothers, military power, leadership, and fertile ground. Let's see what Yosef gets. Now, Yosef's bracha is a little harder to decipher. Bain porat Yosef. 
Bain porat aleayin, banot tzada aleishur. What does that mean? So Bechor Shor claims that Ben here is, and he brings several examples of it in Tanakh, it really means a shoot, meaning a, a, a plant. So Yosef is a porat, meaning a fruitful plant. Ben porat aleayin. And what's aleayin? He says aleayin meaning ale ma'ayan. A plant growing near a spring, meaning we're picturing Yosef, and the metaphor is a plant that grows right near a, str- a spring, and therefore it is fruitful, it's expansive. Banot tzadale short. So if Ben is the plant, what are banot? Banot are the branches and the outgrowth. Tzadale short, they climb on the wall. Now we're familiar with other interpretations, the banot or banot mitzrayim, they climb up on the wall to look down at Yosef, aleishur, ashur is an Aramaism, which is often used in poetry, and it means a wall. Um, but uh, the way he reads it, this is really about fertility. And it makes a lot of sense because, after all, Yaakov already elevated two of Yosef's sons to Shevedhood, and one of them, his name is Ephraim. So you see the Puriyah there. Now, Vaimararuhu Varobu. Again, a difficult pasuk. And again, I'm going to read it like the Bechor Shor. I think his take on this is, is, is amazing. He says, what's Vaimararuhu? So most people read it as embittered. And they embittered him. So what uh-huh. would that? But the, he, he reads it as related to the word Tamrur. Tamrur, which is a word we use in modern, modern Israel for, modern Hebrew for a street sign, like a stop sign. is Tamrur. A tamrur is, a, is used in in Yirmiyahu Lamed Aleph, Hatzivilach Tzionim, Hatzilach Tamrur, meaning signs. So, Vayimararuhu Varobu, they made signs of him, we'll see what that means, and Varobu from the word Rovet, they shot. Who is this? Vayistimuhu Balechitzim. They had hatred for him. Who? The one who had arrows. In other words, they marked a bullseye on him, and they took aim at him. Who? The, the 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 archers. Who are these? So you have your choice. They are his brothers. They are Mrs. Potiphar. They are the other members of the court. Yosef has has a long list of uh, of enemies. But the upshot of it is kashto, which seems to etan meaning strength, which means he held the bow stronger. Vayafozu's roei adav. Vayafozu meaning to shake. His arm shook, or like pulled, meaning that he was more successful in shooting back. And Haraya, everything that was conspired against him, he turned inside out and became more successful at. Midei avir Yaakov, and Yaakov here is saying, this comes from the strong one of Yaakov, meaning this is from Hashem, that Yaakov, that Yosef was successful. Misham ro'eh evan Yisrael. Meaning, from there, he shepherds. Who's shepherding? Evan Yisrael. And Evan Yisrael, very likely, is a reference to Yosef himself, who is kind of the rock, sort of the, the one who right now in Mitzrayim is the one the whole family is revolving around. And then he turns and says, this is all from God, from Hashem. Me'et Hashem ha'tazot. Me'el this is all from Hashem who helps you. And Shaddai, which is a name he used earlier in, in uh, telling about 
before he named Nashon Ephraim to Shevet Hood. Birchot Shemayim Mial, pay close attention to this, Birchot Tom Ravetzatachat, Brachot from the heavens, Brachot from below, Birchot Shadayim Varacham, Brachot of the breasts and the womb seem to be of fertility. Birchot Avicha. Now, Yaakov is talking to Yosef. What's Birchot Avicha mean? The Brachot of your father, Dainumi. Gavru al Birchot Overcame the Brachot of my parents. The way most Rishonim read that is, I had a better life than my parents did, than Yavram and Yitzchak. Because they were given so much, I was given more. They had only one son who stayed in the fold and the rest were out. Me, all of them were in. They had a specific Nachala, I'm quoting Rashi. I had Nachala Blimet Sarim. Beautiful. I think there's something else going on here. Ad ta'avat givotolam. Until the, the, the desire all the way to the hills, the everlasting hills. And the end was kind of in Nachalah. Tiena l'rosh Yosef And who does this go to? It goes to Yosef and to the head of Nazir Achav. What's with Yosef's head? And what's Nazir Achav? What does that mean? Nazir Achav makes it sound like the one who was separated from his brothers. Now, was he separated or did they separate from him? Is that what Nazir Achav actually means? And then afterwards, we get Binyamin Zevi Trav Okay. What is going on in this Brachav Yosef? So, read the way that I did it. And of course, there's many ways to read it. It seems to be a Bracha about, first and foremost, fertility. Then, about success in a war, being able to shoot the arrow better than the other guy. And then there is something about leadership and about this great bracha that comes back to fertility, but also about leadership. Sounds familiar. Wow. So I think the, that one of the keys to this is, first of all, it's clear, again, from this layout, Yehuda and Yosef, who both get five psukim. And that's why I named this cutely, Yehuda Yosef Achim, Brachot Mechumashot Bechotehem. Okay? And minimally cutely. Um, but that Yehuda and Yosef are really being primed to be leaders among the Shvatim. And indeed, Machane Yehuda and Machane Ephraim are the two major camps in the leadership that take the East and the West. Um, Yehuda and ultimately Ephraim become the two kingdoms. Uh, the Mishkan is first in Ephraim's Chelek and then in Yehuda's Chelek, the Mikdash. So the two of them, and this is of course the Haftarah with Yechezka with the two sticks, Yehuda and Ephraim, Yehuda and Yosef. Okay. But notice this line, Birchot Avicha Gavro Birchot Orai, I think should be read differently. Not the Brachot of your father, Dainu, my Brachot are greater than my parents. I've done better than my parents. I'm one more successful. Because Yaakov says the exact opposite. When he meets Paro, what does he say? Paro says, how old are you? Which is kind of chutzpahdik, but when you're Paro, you get to ask it. What does Yaakov say? I've had a terrible life. And they're not even close to how long my parents have lived. Right, my father and my grandfather. So how can Yaakov here be saying, I've had a better life? I think that Brechot means something different. 
Brachot Avicha means not the brachot that I, your father, have gotten. I mean, it means the brachot that I, your father, am giving you. Have overwhelmed the brachot that your that my parents gave, meaning that I got. I got brachot, and I'm giving you better brachot, stronger brachot, bigger brachot. But that would mean that the brachot I'm giving you are built on and expanded from the brachot that I got. Let's see how that works. Take a look at the brachot that Yaakov got in the guise of Esau. Back in Parsha told him. What does Yitzchak say to him? A bracha of fertility and success in growing from the land. Also, You will both be someone who other nations adore and also your own family worships or is subservient to. Okay? By the way, what's the bracha that Esav got? Because that's also bracha of Yitzchak. When, he, when it was Esav, as Esav. Again, the fat of the land, the dew from the heaven. You're going to live by the sword. What does that mean? But there's certainly violence involved. And then, when Yaakov, as Yaakov, is leaving home, Father gives him a whole different bracha, which is the bracha of Avraham. God should make you fruitful and multiply. You should become a big nation. Getting the land. When Yaakov himself turns, and this is the first bracha he gives, to give a bracha to Yosef's kids, what's the bracha? It's a bracha of fertility. Which, if you think about it, is a bracha that he himself got. It's blue. It's the bracha he got of Brachat Avraham that he got from Yitzchak. He's passing it on. But now when we get to our brachot, this last pasuk from Tilim Kufchafchet, just as an example of where children are described as a plant growing around the, the house, the fertility of the children like a fertile plant. But let's take a look at the brachot and you'll see something here, which is, I believe that the brachot that Yaakov gives to Yosef and, and Yehuda are the second generation of the brachot that Yitzchak gave him. Yaakov can't give anything more than he was given by Yitzchak, but he can make it bigger. So notice what he does. Yehuda ata yoducha Right? Remember back in the bracha that Yitzchak gave to Yaakov when he thought it was Esau, he says, your brothers will bow down to you. Yehuda ata yoducha Your brothers will bow down to you. Yarcha ba'orafaivecha yishtachavulacha b'nei avicha. Right? And by the way, he mentions Avicha here, and he mentions Avicha here, Birchot Avicha, by tying these two Brachot together. And then Yaakov touches on Yehuda on his ability on the battlefield. He is the lion. Nobody can mess with him. He then talks about Yehuda as king. All three themes. Those are two of the themes. Now, the third theme, which is the last two Pesukim of Yehuda, are the fertility. And it sounds like he's giving Yehuda an area which is rich in vineyards and in grass. How grass? Because where does milk come from in Tanakh? Milk in Tanakh is not cow's milk, it's goat's milk. And how, why do goats have a lot of milk? Because there's a lot of grass. So if Yehuda has a territory in which he's going to have red eyes from wine and white teeth from milk, 
That means lots of vineyards and lots of grass growing. And indeed, that's Nachlat Yehuda. Just drive around the Gush. Drive around Hebron. You'll see it. Vineyards left and right. Baruch Hashem. Now, you look at Yosef, and what does he do? He starts off not with royalty, but with fertility. Ben Parat Yosef. But immediately we go into the military component. Now think about it. Who is Yosef's most august descendant going to be in a few generations? Yehoshua. Okay. And now, Suddenly Yosef is being given the bracha of Eretz Yisrael, the bracha of Avram. And then, look at this. Is paraphrasing the bracha that Yaakov got from Yitzchak. And then again, by the way, the word horai is what we call a Janus parallelism. It's parallel to avicha, and it's also parallel to givot, horai as parents and horai as mountains. Real interesting take. When I talk about what Nezirachav here is, because we think Nezirachav means the one separated from his brothers. But let's think about it. In the word, in the Parsha of Nazir, we talked about this, I think, this past year. In the Parsha of Nazir, the word Nazir, Nazir Rosho, is used, and it's a play on words, because Nazir means someone who's separated, but a Nazir is a crown. Nazir Tifara. Nazir Achav means the one who his brothers have crowned, which means Yosef also has Malchut. Notice that Yosef ends with Malchut, and Yudah begins with Malchut. Now, right now, the Melech is Yosef. He really is the Melech. And Yehuda is going to be the Melech, again, however we interpret that. When we get to Israel, when we get to the Midbar, when we've divided the land and conquered it, when we ask for a king, when the first king fails, at some point, Yudah is going to be the king. But there's also a component of, of, of Malchut in Yosef. Is this alluding to the split of the kingdoms, where the first king is going to be Ravam ben Nevat from Meshavet Ephraim? Is it alluding to right now? But either way, the same three themes course through both brachot. The themes of fertility, of military valor, and of royalty. In both the brachot of Yehuda and Yosef. Notice, however, that Yehuda's begins with royalty, and Yosef's begins with fertility. Because the main focus on Yehuda in this bracha is Yehuda is being named to be the king. He is going to be the leader. And Yosef's main bracha really is the bracha of fertility. Of the fact that He's been given two shvatim, two big shvatim, and they're going to spread out throughout the land, and they will indeed have fertile land. So hopefully this has given us a better view of the brachot, a little more of a panoramic view, seeing also the special role of Yudah and Yosef here, and also hopefully a better understanding of this odd line, brachot avicha gavru al brachot not meaning the brachot I received are greater than what my parents received, but rather the brachot I'm giving you are greater than the brachot I was given by my, by, by Yitzchak. And, but I, what I'm doing is I'm building on them. They're not different because Yitzchak's brachot to me essentially were brachot of, um, of royalty, of fertility, uh, and of valor. And, uh, and therefore I'm passing those on to you in different ways, to Yudah and Yosef in different ways, 
ultimately leading to the leadership uh, of the nation. 